0: EMSradio.com. EMS information for the next generation. The EMS Garage is a production of EMSradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter, at EMS Garage. Email us, EMSGarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. The EMS Garage.
1: With this vehicle.
2: Check it out right now. Okay, I got uh, DC on the phone there. I want to know if uh, you can handle that call as well. Just confirming you are and checking the patient.
1: Sailman yeah,
0: 22 Hi, everybody, and welcome to EMS Expo, EMS World Expo. 2011 here in Las Vegas. We're in Las Vegas and I'm so happy to be here today. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about the show yet. This is a joint podcast between EMS Garage and the Medic Cast. Joining me is Miss Ann, carrying Ann, and you all know her, so thanks for coming on and sure. thanks for being a part. Also joining us, Mr. Tom Boothalay, and we have a special guest with Tom here in a minute, and we'll talk to her, and we're going to talk about the differences between nurses and paramedics, and we're going to talk about a cup. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, but we also like to thank our studio sponsor today. Um, it's the American College of Emergency Physicians. Man, I'm going to mess this up because I'm a little out of practice and it's really hot here. Um, so <laughs> we're uh, it's the American College of Emergency Physicians, and they have done a great job at, at sponsoring the entire podcast studio today. A lot of the live streaming is is brought to you by EMS World Expo, Zoll, and uh, ASEP, and they, they've been, they've done a great job bringing us together. But today, this episode is sponsored by PhysioControl, and joining me is Mr. Paul Satterley. Hello, sir. Hello. Dr. Doctor Paul Satterley. Sorry. Right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about who you are, and then let's
2: talk about mechanical CPR. Okay. So I'm an emergency physician. I work in an ER half my time. The other half my time, I'm a medical director for an ambulance service that takes care of about a million people in the state of Minnesota, wow. about 50,000 transports every year, and about over 300 cardiac arrests every year. Wow. so we had this great population to really start testing stuff trying things out seeing if it's helpful and beneficial have you so did you, did you guys uh, buy Lucas devices did, yeah, 2007 we okay. the I have a cohort another medical director who really at that time saw the benefit pushed the company to get them right we've now got 36 in place one on every ALS truck nice. and every every cardiac arrest gets Lucas except for maybe conditions like early Ross or too big or too small. Okay. The, the typical things you'd expect. Right. And then,
0: so have you guys... So you guys are using the air-powered ones, like... We are using the air-powered ones.
2: Have you guys tried to go to battery yet? We no? haven't. Primarily oh. just because of a, a financial thing, Right. And oh, yeah. Absolutely. Realistically, the air-powered ones have, have maintained just fine. And they've been yeah, really and, good performers. Right. And if we if we started replacing them, I'm sure we'd replace with the battery power. Right. We haven't had to replace any yet. So. so what are
0: some of the benefits of using mechanical CPR over, say, just, you know, all of us yeah. trying
2: to go around the guy yeah. for two minutes? The biggest one I can tell you... We, operate in both an urban setting and a rural setting. In some of our rural settings, the first responder there is the sheriff, the one sheriff. So we show up with our EMT and our paramedic and then you have the sheriff. And you you know, you know, just can't, unless you're going to employ family members to help out. That just doesn't work to, you know, in order to provide quality CPR in that setting. On the other side of it is when you have a lot of people rolling around, you may have more people that can do compressions. But I think with the mechanical compression, you're guaranteed to get consistent what I want as medical director, exactly the, the compressions I want consistently, right depth, right timing, no gaps, all that stuff. And, and I can't train. We have 80 first responder groups we work with. And for me to spend a bunch of time going to every one of those first responder groups to retrain and retrain and quality assure their CPR is a huge drain on our time because, you know, we have 48,700 other calls that I have to check in on as well, you know what I mean, in a year. So I can't just crawl my time with cardiac arrests Right. So... What is, what have you seen as far as your return to circulation? We what we see is, and I'll show it because I have some slides that I present later um, at a different forum. But what we see is that if we put Lucas on, we get a lot higher ROS rate early. It tails off later, right. but if we get it on early compared to the non-Lucas uses, we have this much higher ROS rate. And there's uh, there's a Swedish. Publication out there, a, le- a research article that says if you get ROSC early, those people have a much greater chance of surviving long term versus the ROSC at 30 minutes. You know, which I think, uh, to me, that just means you you save their brain and then you try to figure out get their heart going again. Wow.
3: What do you consider early? Just out of curiosity. For us
2: it's under uh, under fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're talking
3: uh, after the first few cycles.
2: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've got scenarios where you get ROSC, you get thirty minutes, forty minutes. These people in the tars- they don't do well, and I think it's just that brain has taken too much of an injury. Sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't you know right now it's really we don't have we have six hundred uses of the Lucas. It's hard for us to compare non use and use. The best thing probably would be is if we could go back and compare Pre-implementation and post-implementation, but as everybody knows, since two thousand and five, there's been so many changes in cardiac arrest. That it's going to be really hard to get to graphless apples. So you're stuck.
3: I think one of the most important developments uh, that has come out recently is the knowledge that minimizing the delay between stopping compressions and shocking yep. leads to a much higher cost yep. rate as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. Um, have you measured what your ROS rate is prior to the application of the device? Because if, if it's waiting 15 minutes into, into the cardiac arrest, we would normally think that's a patient with a fairly poor prognosis. Right.
2: Yeah. No, we haven't measured that. Part of that is um, is we're getting more comfortable with using the software to look at what our arrest is done using the monitor. Um, that's going to be the best way for us to measure that interval, and we're still working on trying to uh, sort through that. I like
3: mean that, too. We, we have that technology in, in Hilton Head Island, and we haven't really started using it to uh, QI our cardiac arrests yet, but I saw Dana Yost's presentation in Baltimore and was was really psyched about it because I know just from being the uh, CARES Registry site coordinator for my department, if you look at these cardiac arrests, you would think, well, we know we're supposed to be shocking every two minutes. We're not. No way. Yeah, yeah. And, and without QIing it and, and looking to see, are you really following a two-minute cycle? Yeah. And, and if you look at it on a graph, you would like to see a shock every two minutes right. if the patient's uh, in persistent VF. You don't see that. The reality is you're going to see shock, 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 and, you know five minutes of no <laughs> shocks, and then another cluster of shocks, and and some they're going to give a ventilation prior to the shock. That's bad. And, and so really without looking, um, the, and I, I, I got a kick out of... I think it was Dana. I don't want to misattribute this, but I, I think he said it's the disparity between what we. Remember happening? Oh, it was Houston. It was the guys in Houston. I was uh, the webcast from Houston where they used the same technology. It's basically saying, I don't know if that's what they would have liked to have happened or if what right. they <laughs> <Yeah>. remembered <laughs> had the happened on the call. Yeah. But it's objective data. You can't argue it. It's like it's obvious yeah. what happened and how long the yeah. delays were. And I think it's good. It, it holds a mirror up to your system and lets you know exactly how you're performing. Yeah. And if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. So, I
0: agree. Dr. Satterley, I know you have to run because you're going Thank to the you. physio <laughs> university. <laughs> And if you want to hear more about this, they can go over there and Absolutely. hear yeah, your presentation. And um, do you guys, is that online yet? Yeah, no, no. Do they, they put it, it? Okay. I think it is. When I can online. find
2: that resource and maybe we'll do you know, so it. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks for taking for me sadly. today. I appreciate it. Nice yeah. to meet you. meet right. nice you, you. Ann. Don't forget easy. your mic. <laughs> I will. We'll walk way far away without this. Well,
0: while we. Ha- the mic. There you go. There you go. <laughs> ah, live TV. So, while, while he's leaving, I'd like to, again, thank our studio sponsor today, American College of Emergency Physicians, while well, Kelly comes up, and we're going to talk about the differences between paramedics and nurses. Come on up. Come on up. Oh, yeah. You can get in the shot. It doesn't matter. So, all right. The other day, my, here's my shtick. The other day, I'm standing in Ace Hardware in Las Vegas after we went by the Liberace Museum, which I really <laughs> wanted to go into, but I couldn't, because um, they wouldn't let me. I don't know why. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> I'm, we're standing there, and there's this wall of mugs, and it's every profession, you know. There's plumber, there's firefighter, of course. There's cop. There's two nursing mugs. There's like one where they care, and then one where they're really tired. I don't know. You really don't care. And then some. Like there's got to be a paramedic or an EMT, a paramedic or an EMT mug. And uh, no, there's a, there's one with an ambulance on it. And it says, "Proud to be a firefighting, life-saving, people and pet rescuing, emergency worker."
1: <laughs> this is it. This
0: is all the respect we get. Emergency <laughs> worker. Well, yeah, they did. So on the back of it, I've in my days on an ambulance, I've never used a fire hose unless the fire department was there and they needed help. Um, I've never worn a hard hat, and oh, you're shooting it. Oh, perfect. Okay, I've never seen. I've never used a hard hat and I've rarely used an axe and that was only that's only unless I had an axe to grind. <laughs> so it brings me to the point of why do we not get any respect? I mean seriously, why do the nurses
3: get it all? I mean other than, you know, the obvious, but...
4: Because we have our name figured out.
3: Well, I I, I know (laughs) opinions differ on this topic, um, but I I think it boils down to a couple of things. And the first is education. Uh, Nursing took charge of their profession, and uh, they do their own research, and they publish their own peer-reviewed journals, and uh, they're degreed. And so it's a a, uh, fully qualified, legitimate uh, healthcare profession. Uh, Kelly, for example, is in postgraduate studies. She's already a clinical nurse specialist, and she'll be an acute care nurse practitioner come December. that has been a long road, but she's constantly progressed through education. And uh, I, I, I think if we want that same level of respect, it's going to be earned uh, in, the, in the first place. And I think um, it, Skip Kirkwood says it best. We're so busy with the inside baseball, we want to nitpick who's an EMT versus an I versus a P, and so instead of following, say, the Canadian or Australian model where uh, you're an intensive care paramedic or an advanced care paramedic, you're, you're different varieties of paramedic, and then the public would know what to call us, and, and we, we would uh, have an identity like a firefighter or like a police officer.
0: Right. So, Kelly, I forgot to introduce you. Uh, Kelly, what's your, remind me of your last
1: name. A ration I, a, I, ration. a ration. Yeah. I, J- Kelly's fine. Thank you because I,
0: I couldn't pronounce it either way. <laughs> that's okay. Um and you're a nurse and you're finishing your masters, I
1: already you're actually already have my, your my master's yeah. you're going for your clinical yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. postgraduate. Sorry. Yeah. See, that's
0: yeah. where I don't All right. She's like the doctors of nursing. Right. right. Yeah. And So what do you think about this? Is he right? I mean he obviously is. since you guys are dating and whatnot, he
1: is, and but you know, I I mean a nurse and and you will agree. I mean nursing is still trying to figure it out because we haven't figured out entry into practice. We're adding another terminal degree that is under huge debate that even the American Medical Association is fighting because literally there's a new doctorate of nursing practice that will yield doctor nurses and they don't want us to use the term doctor so because you know. Because they stole it. Right, because they think doctor means medical doctor but yet you have doctor we have dentists. We call doctors. We have dietists. We call doctors. We have you know rocket so scientists.
0: We call the doctors. only thing
1: is that a nurse is a nurse. You can be an LPN and you're called a nurse. You can be a, a associate degree nurse and you're a nurse. You can be a bachelor degree nurse and you're a nurse. That's the only difference. But we still have our own turmoil and drama in nursing. So to the extent that. We you don't, don't use time. axes <laughs> and helmets. Um, we still have a lot of turmoil, and we have a lot of issues. I mean, we have been fighting about entry into practice probably for 40 or 50 years, and here we are adding another degree to confuse the public and nursing, and we still are trying to fight what's the minimal entry into practice. So you guys are alone. You guys are, you know, whether you have a P or an A or a B or whatever, and, and you're a medic or an EMT, we're doing the same thing.
0: So go ahead. I know you have something to say. No, yeah, I, I knew you were gonna say it. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do no, you have? no! Come on. I don't to just say
1: it. You don't. why?
0: It's Jamie's show. He's gonna get all the credit for it. So go for it. Or not? No,
4: no. No, I agree. I totally agree. And this is. I mean, we look like we figured it out, but we really haven't. Well, and. I agree, I agree with Tom when it comes to the education. When you're looking, and I've been working with um, EMS for the last couple years with some training and education classes, and I think that's a, a big piece is the difference between yeah. training or education or what that looks like. And, uh, you know, what does it take for us to help move that in the right direction for EMS? Um, then I think about training and what can we do to train together? And right. I think um, just collaborating on our training efforts so as professionals,
1: healthcare professionals, we work better together if we actually do some of the training together. I so. also think you, you don't see volunteers in the, and I mean, I'm not saying anything negative about volunteers, but where other, where other what other profession can you have volunteers?
3: This is In a huge system. Pandora's box. Right? I know, and, oh, and, I, and, mean, I, and I'm like the non ems right. no, professional. No, I know. No, it's, I'll it's never a, be invited back. But I mean,
1: very very that's topic. another. Yeah. That is a difficult topic. But you, will never. You can't have. Volunteer. The only time you can see volunteers, but they're already licensed professionals, yes. and that's because they're going somewhere else and volunteering. Right. But you cannot have someone, volu- being a volunteer and having some, a lesser, um, educational background, and be able to for- perform the same. Yeah, there,
3: there is at least a grain of truth that to um, increase the the uh, educational requirements for paramedic increases the length of time and the cost to become a paramedic, and so people that have a real job already and a real career already uh, will be less tempted to invest their own time and money to that level of education to be a volunteer and perform those services for free. That's just it's just common sense that it would that it would be that way and and so I think the fear is if you increase that requirement then they're going to be an EMS system without paramedics and uh, what does that mean politically and so it's it's tough it's um, it, it, it's really an interesting dilemma and I'm not really sure how it's going to be solved
0: well Tom Dick wrote an article um, recently within the past couple of years about this exact dilemma in our industry how, you don't, you, every town has, a, an, a, has an attorney and they're paid. Every town has probably an accountant and they're paid. But it would be tantamount to those type of professionals going out and hanging out a sign saying "free legal service." Right? You're not. You can't. The, the people that are there to get paid for it aren't going to be able to compete, and that guy's not going to be in business very long. So our business model's already broken. We talk about reimbursement on my show quite a bit about how we're, we're uh, the reimbursement for what we do is poor, poor, poor. Um, it's poor cross medicine, but for what we do, we get paid per call, or per haul. That's not, a, I mean, we don't even get paid per call. We get paid if we take you to the hospital. That's right. already a broken right. and
1: it's going to get worse. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I agree with I mean, I think the, the true factor in this is for collaboration and, um, you know, speaking your previous guest and talking about the outcomes and it again it has to do with not being separate entities in all these systems of care but if we were educating more closely together to work more yes. as synergistic instead of well you do the first part and then drop them off and then we do our part and then we're done and we can it's it's more collaboration because that's what that's how processes should be they should fit like puzzle pieces and I think education would be better and I think that would also raise you know, going from workers to professionals, raise raise that level of professionalism. And there's certain
3: problems and dilemmas that that are inherent in the the, the current model because. Uh, we all know that the, the current healthcare system can't sustain itself the way that it's been done over time. And one of the tenets of the EMS 2.0 movement is saying EMS ought to be more than taking a patient to the hospital. We ought to be able to triage them and, and determine whether or not they need to go to the hospital or, or determine the best place for them within the healthcare system.
0: Yeah, but then nurses get all pissy about that because we're stepping <laughs> on their territory. Like, they don't oh. Understand. Okay, so now, thank you, because that's a great segue <laughs> into the next topic. So here's 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 the coming up topic for right after I do the, I want to do the promo here in a second. Um, what was your opinion of EMS before you met us? And before you, I mean, did you even have a clue when you first started in the ER, things like that? So I want to get that. And then we're going to talk about our perspective of nurses and where I think it's changed over time. And I don't want to say we're becoming more sophisticated, but we are. So anyway, real quick, I want to say thank you to our innovation sponsor, Road ID. And Road ID is a public safety product. Ah, uh-huh, there we go. Public safety product that you we put they put in the hands of first responders to really help you if you're out there running or doing something. Greg Freeze endorses this. And we're gonna actually give you a chance to get two of them. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. let what show them. oh we can show them? Okay. Yeah. Right we're
4: here.
0: Yes, it's an anklet or a bracelet or however you want to wear it. You can put it on your sneaker. There are many, many ways you can do it. You can put it on a belt if you're hiking, whatever. So we're going to give you a chance to win one. Oh, cool. uh, we have two available. Yep, Am I available? No, you're on the <laughs> podcast. Jagger. Can you tweet it right okay, now? Yes. The first two people to tweet, I'm checking out at Road ID, um, and that's at R O A D I D. At EMS World Expo will win their very own road ID. So tweet that right now. I'm checking out at road ID. And then uh, make sure that you do the hashtag (laughs) EMS World. (laughs) Expo, and uh, we're going to send that off to you. Um, hopefully, the people in the uh, social media lounge will be able to find out who won that, and uh, between them and Road ID, we'll get that off to you. So thanks a lot. Thanks to our innovation sponsor. So cool. All right. So what was what was your guys' impression of paramedics and EMTs before? Like your first day in the ER, you're like, where are these schlepping guys?
1: Drive Well, I had a kind of idea because I've been a secret little EMS whacker all my life. I grew up watching um, emergency, and I I totally wanted to – I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a paramedic or a nurse. And then – so I already knew kind of what they did. And then in my younger days, I did – I kind of rode along with a – friend
3: <laughs> are you a friend no
1: a guy friend um up in, Nor- in, uh, in uh in northern baltimore county and i really was like wow this is really cool I, I loved carnage and i just it was very rural and um i got i was actually working at shock trauma old shock trauma at the time yeah, nice. and the paramedics were hired there to work um and they you know, they were kind of, they were called trauma texts at the time. And then I, like I said, I was out and about, kind of doing a little ride-alongs. So I, I knew what they were doing, and I was just like, oh, that's really cool. So I, when I went into emergency nursing, I already knew what medics could do. So I what about didn't your have,
0: cohorts in the ER. I mean, oh, they-
1: treated them like crap. Okay. Right. Treated them bad. And I had worked in an ER in Maryland, and they had some good relationships. And then I came to Hilton Head and. Most of them didn't treat paramedics very well. Um, most of them treated them really bad and, and treated them like they didn't know anything. Um, and I found that really kind of different. I, it wasn't that way up north. At least no. in my experience, wasn't like that. It was
3: different. It was yeah.
1: very different. Because they we really listened to what they said. If they said the patient was X, Y, or Z, then you knew the patient was X, Y, or Z. I mean, you listened, you took report from you knew that they knew what they were doing. Um, but then we came down. I came to Hilton Head, and they were just like, yeah, you know, they took report like this. They didn't listen. They would come and take, give you a face-to-face report, and I was like one of the only ones. And they're like, why are you listening to them? Like, because they've just had the patient for twenty minutes, and <laughs> they're giving me report, and they may have some really important information. So, you know, and it was very interesting, and it was funny because. People would say, You're just really nice to us, and you actually listen to what I have to say. And I'm like, Well, you just took care of the patient for 20 minutes. Of course, I'm going yeah, to listen to you. You might
0: know something right? I need to know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <and> <laughs> yeah, maybe you did a medical intervention to save this exactly, guy's life. I exactly. don't know. Yeah. So,
1: you know, I quickly got a reputation of being somebody that actually listened to them and mm-hmm. being nice. And I'm like, Well, you, I'm not being nice. It's my, I mean, I am nice, but it's my job to listen to you.
3: I guess it worked on me. Yes, uh, I did. I did. Oh.
1: And 11 years later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, so she tells it that she asked you out, and then you tell it that you asked her, <laughs> her out? Or is that vice versa? I don't know. Um, well, it is a fact that she
3: gave me her email request. Oh, oh address. nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Like on a glove? Oh. I don't, I think, no, on a little yeah, piece of paper. I mean, yeah, he's the one
1: that got weak-kneed and tachycardic every time he saw me and, <laughs> couldn't, and tongue-tied and couldn't even speak to me. So you he couldn't even give could you a report when you asked for a report?
0: <laughs> and all he you, all you would go is, patient.
3: You can grab a by my, okay. in my mouth
0: and be like, "Stop no. So, Anne, uh, you you come from a different aspect of healthcare, um, and I've heard your story, but many people have not. What what um, what do you think about us?
4: So. Um, being in healthcare for almost 15 years until I started immersing in EMS the last three years, I didn't even know the difference between a paramedic and an EMT. I just thought they were each in their own and it exchanged and, um, but I didn't work in the ER. I worked more OB and if we had a paramedic bring in a patient, we automatically took over because no one wants to deliver to the baby. <laughs> just the OB <OP> nurses <laughs> do that right, and the ER docs don't even want to do right, that. They're like, we don't do so, babies. So I, I didn't ever have that opportunity to have that relationship right. or build an opinion about it, but now I, I think totally different. But the best but the best way I, I did, I immersed into it. I went on ride-alongs and you know just started ride-alongs. spending time. You, you told me that one of
0: your most eye-opening things when you were doing the right along is, well, these people actually have protocols and standards, and they do a lot of stuff. There's a
4: whole book, and they actually follow them.
0: And even though she's a nurse, I wouldn't let her start at these. <laughs>
4: so bad. But he would let
0: me deliver the baby. Oh, I was like, any, any babies born this today, I'm sure they would be happy to let you do. Well, and so what was your, what's, maybe you're more sophisticated. What's your what's your opinion of nurses then? Uh, maybe since we started. Let me preface For how this, it's changed.
3: Yeah, well, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit. And uh, I'm not proud of this. I think it's unfortunate. But when I went through paramedic school and I went through a, a very respected program, either between the peers that, that I was with during the program or little things that the instructors would say or things that happened during clinical rotations, uh, so 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 here's me knowing really nothing i should be soaking up knowledge and learning from everybody that i associate with in healthcare, I think I had a little bit of an attitude like, yeah, the, the nurse listens to bowel sounds and changes the bedpan, and I okay, not uh, no, 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 listen, okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> not winning me any fans in the nursing world. Okay, uh, yeah, so, so, so change, no, no, no. What, and what I'm saying is, uh, looking back at that 15 years later, um, I was the ignorant one. I, I didn't realize all of the tools that they brought to the table and I didn't realize how little I actually knew and, and so if I had to be taken care of by myself 15 years ago I'd be scared to have, to have, to have a new paramedic take care of a loved one or anything like that because uh, one thing that I think is really unfortunate is in most EMS systems as soon as you get your paramedic card it's like there's your ambulance ta-da you know you might have to do X number of ride-alongs but the reality is you haven't seen attention pneumothorax and, and, and you, right. you, you know, I, right. I to this day, I occasionally ride along with paramedics that have got you know five six years on the job, and they're like, "Well, I think we might have to decompress this chest." I'm like, "Do you see any ear hunger? Is the patient hypoxic? You know, think, man, think. <laughs> you know, don't do it <laughs> just, just on like yeah. yeah." Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. 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 So versus it, it, thinking. well, yeah. yes. And it takes a while and it takes a lot of experience to build up that general gestalt about a patient and who's sick or not sick and uh, and, and just patient assessment in general and learning from errors and hopefully learning from other people's errors and just uh, having a, a mentality uh, that you're a lifelong learner and always want to know more about this profession and, and more about patient care and, and more about the house of medicine, uh, whether you're a nurse or a paramedic or a physician. It it doesn't matter. We're all here ultimately to save a patient's life, hopefully, Uh, in in those rare instances where those critical actions are needed. um, But those are the the times that they they really are needed. And it's not enough to say, hey, I did a good job on the other 95 calls. It doesn't matter at that point in time because this was the one where your actions would make a a, a difference between life and death. Did you know what to do or didn't you know? Did you hesitate uh, or did did you screw it up? And, and, and so we really have to target our, our training and our expertise and, and our experience for, for those, um, and I, I like it, it's from the risk management world, but the low frequency, high risk, no time to think event. Are you prepared for that? And we, and we need to be, because it could be, you know, uh, actually I can't even talk about it because I'll get emotional, but we, we experienced a, a pretty significant family emergency. Uh, and, and, and let me tell you, the, the, the public we serve is us. And and it could be any of us at any time, and that's why it's important. And and we need to be cognizant of that at all times.
1: Uh. But it's sad because sometimes he will tell me about an interaction that he had with a nurse, and it's a good one, and that's the exception. In In my own institution, my own hospital,
0: were because they, it's gotten so be I would so that poor. they all know that you were dating. Oh,
1: everybody knows. Yeah, we, every, I mean, it's common knowledge. We live on a 12-by-5-mile island all in right, a 93-bed hospital. <laughs> <laughs> well, I,
3: I, I also, it needs to be said, a lot of that is because there's been so much turnover mm-hmm. that they don't know me. Uh, any nurse that's that's been around me for the past 10, 15 years uh, would trust what I say or, or understand.
1: That's, that, but that's not an excuse because, so what do we do? Right. A nurse should... You're taking report from a from a paramedic that's just had the patient say 15, 20 minutes or whatever. The, the lack of respect or the lack of, well, that, you needs, know, valuing the fact said, that you we're just...
3: Not, we're not always angels either. Right. So, that's well, well, yeah, that's true. Right. Was gonna and and right, and that's
1: true. But the point is, you know, our relationships are, are anything but positive.
0: So... How, so how do we start breaking down those barriers? Because I would assume, and I, I, I've gotten a really good history lesson about nursing and how it started and whatever. <laughs> I, I've heard, as you roll I've, your heard, almost, <laughs> I've heard a, a lot of... No, groups. not that stuff. It's how the, it's the, like, it's the history of how nursing kind of started and, and maybe how the physicians... I'm sure physicians oh. probably treat you just as poorly oh. as we Worse. get treated. Of Worse. No, no. Oh, yes.
1: They're old really? school physicians. Really? Oh, yeah. Subservient. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. Wow. they're still physicians that believe that you're there to basically just do whatever they say to do, to do and you're not there to think. Or, yeah. And you know what's
0: weird, though, is we have this weird divide because I feel like physicians respect us in a weird way that they're like, oh, I mean, I've had more physicians have better interactions than I've had nurses in 22 years. Because they're like, so you, I mean, I had it. My best interaction was a busy uh, level one trauma center brought a patient in. The doc leaves and comes into the report room and goes, "What did you guys do?" And you know, I mean, he sat down and he just wanted to hear. I'm like, you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, you know? right. like, Here's what we did, you know." And but that kind of respect. I mean, what, why do we have that? And what has happened? I mean, are you guys just trying to make us pay our dues? Or I mean, no, I'm teasing. I mean, so, where is the? Um, we're done. We're done? We're just, they said five minutes. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: oh man, I'm talking. I'm talking. All right, all right. Well, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting a hug. So, um, Kelly and Tom, thank you guys so much. Um, I hope we get to hang out this week in Vegas and uh, maybe do dinners so and talk more about this because I, this is fun for me. I love, I love finding out why. Um, why it's so hard for us, but in the end, we're just all people, and I think if we would just take that thought into everything we do, it'd be so much easier. Now you're going to make me cry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for The Medicast. The Medicast, yes. The Thank you very much. <laughs> this is the joint opening day episode from EMS World Expo 2011 from the show floor live. I'm Chris Montero, geeky medic on the EMS Garage and filling in for Jamie right over there, mediccast.com. scene safety BSI, I'll give that him that. And we'd finally like to thank our sponsor for the podcast studio today, ASAP, the American College of Emergency Physicians, and this this episode sponsor, Physio Control. Thank you guys and we'll see you really soon on the next episode of EMS Garage and Medicast. But coming up next is EMS Leadership with Chris Sabalero, and I think Nancy Perry's coming on, so.